With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. So all of our hopes and dreams looking extinguished when it comes to Game Week 29's double, as the hot fuss that preceded the week disintegrated into blank-tastic fast for many, as De Bruyne no-showed, all blanked, though the Bruno train did rumble on. As we record with the Leicester game ongoing and uh, Arsenal City to come on Wednesday, we're instead going to cast our eyes to the future and the upcoming chip season that will start to separate the humans from the managers. And we're doing it with extra help as Nick Stagg and I are joined by Ben Quellen this week. Hey Ben, how are you going? Uh, you need no introduction of course, but if you wouldn't mind just giving us a quick one anyway, someone who told me you were pretty good with a spreadsheet or something. Hi, thanks for having me. I suppose I'm known for looking at the schedule and predicting the blanks and double game weeks on Twitter. I've been playing fantasy football um, since 2007-8 and taking it more seriously since 2011-12 with a couple of top 10k finishes. And since 2015-16, I've been posting spreadsheets to looking at the blanks and double game weeks on Twitter. Great to have you again on the pod, Ben. It's a third season in a row now, becoming a bit of an annual tradition. And yeah, thanks for for joining us yet again um, for the podcast. Uh, Just to say who we are, we are Who Got The Assist. Um, you can find us on Twitter at various places at WGTA underscore FPL for Tom or at WGTA underscore Nick for myself and Stag can be found at FPL Stag. Also on Instagram now, uh, WGTA dot FPL if, if you're an Insta king or queen. Um, and you can also find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you like to get your pod. Uh, so Stag, how are you? Um, and what's on the agenda for this pod? Evening, gents. Great to be here. Great to have Ben on the pod as well. Uh, this week with Ben as a guest, obviously, we're going to have to dig into the details for what he's known for uh, to help people with navigating the business end of this season. So we've just nine game weeks left to go, including Banked Game Week 31, where just eight teams are going to feature. And then there's a Pandora's box of possibilities for Game Week 34. And then we then have the final traditional double Game Week 37 to finish the season. So there's an awful lot of work towards and it's going to be exciting to talk that through this evening. Oh, sounds great. Well, let's uh, start off with the game reviews, though, or at least uh, how we're doing so far in this uh, most dudish of double game weeks. Ben, as the guest, how are you doing at the moment? Yeah, I'm having a pretty average game week. Um, I took a hit to bring in Doherty and Saar, and I sold um, Soyuncu and Richarlison as well. So I was glad to see that Richarlison missed a few chances yesterday. And uh, yeah, Captain Aubameyang, so still waiting to see if that'll work out. And I've got Bolly as my other Wolves player, so he's at least he got the eight points. And yeah, I'm on 48 minus four with uh, De Bruyne and Aubameyang captain to play. 
Sounds like it's been a quite quite average few there, Ben. Nothing too exciting. I mean, uh, for for my team, it, um, I made a bit of a goalkeeper transfer of Matt Ryan to Burns Leno, which is the most exciting thing that's happened to my FPL team in in a number of weeks. Which is saying quite a lot because it it paid off a big star with an eleven pointer uh, for for Leno with a game in hand as well, and that's also my highest scoring goalkeeper. Um, score all season though sullied a little bit by the fact that Matt Ryan managed to get a seven pointer the clean sheet the week I sold him and uh, by contrast that was uh, 11 points in total over the six weeks that I played the guy so um, a bit annoying <laughs> bit annoying to see that um, it's been all right so far it's still going on um, 48 minus four but I've got Barnes and um, Soyuncu in play um, as well as Aubameyang and uh, De Bruyne potentially to come in the double game fixture. And I captained Aubameyang as well. Um, Martial stole me a goal, which was uh, quite nice as well in the City in the city game. Uh, but the defence is um, looking a little bit weak. Um, no Robertson, no Rico, still in my team for reasons unknown. And um, Rhys James also didn't play or only came on for one pointer. So um, my defence is um, looking a little bit shady, but... I'm hoping that I can finish up with a green arrow at the end of this week. Like almost every game week this season, I'm lagging just that little bit behind it. Almost everybody. And so I'm currently on 41 points, though I have Seonsu in play, Iosi Perez in play if he comes off the bench, and then Abamyang and Saka to go as Mills, maybe De Bruyne in the second of the double game week fixtures. But 41 points represents a small red. I took a hit this week um, doing a transfer that nobody in the whole entire FPL community has ever done before which was to sell Bruno Fernandes to bring in Saka, as well as uh, bringing what? in Aubameyang for Mason Mad Greenwood. No. Look, look, Tom, these are desperate times. They call for desperate measures. And <laughs> usually it just amounts to self-destruction. And like every other game week, uh, it hasn't quite worked out yet. But we'll see. I just decided I was going to chase the double game week points, and it was the easiest way to facilitate it with uh, less um, transfer hits. But... I don't know. I'm quite happy to just play laissez-faire and just take hits as I want for the rest of the season as I just chase the big points. Sounds like desperate swings are being made from the corner. The wounded animal, appropriate for your FPL moniker, I suppose. Uh, anyway, um, I started off the game week and I was feeling just fine. Got, got a good feeling of a green arrow. It started out with a hit. How did it end up like this? It was only a hit. It was only a hit. Now I'm falling in rank. My team's looking sad. Iosium was a joke. Instajota was bad. Now I'm looking at red and my stomach is sick. It can be saved in my head, but Alba's blanking in mank now. Another big chance missed. How? I just know my captain will be trolling me. It's sapping my soul. But yeah, 49 minus 4 with Barnes or Bam Yang to come. Every week, I suppose, it, it, I have like just something that does hold me back. I mean, I'm not lagging, lagging as far back as you are, perhaps, Anthony. But in some ways, you know, this week was the week I finally thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to sell sellings, get rid of him. Put Jota in, Jota said not very much. Um, Kevin De Bruyne and Perez, the guy tonight, is not showing up. So he's going to be booted out for Bruno, I think, uh, after this game. Um, but I did get lucky elsewhere, I suppose. So um, Ender Stevens came off on the 60th minute, I think it was, and gave me a clean sheet. A couple of minutes afterwards, no clean sheet at all. And uh, Saiz as well, eight points. So I shoved him in for Robertson after the uh, great ICK news again from Rockstar. And uh, that went pretty well. So, yeah, hopefully I'll break 60 this week. Who knows? Uh, right, uh, it's time to move away. The main topic is calling me. Let's start the discussion, guys. That's it for our sides. Uh, ben, uh, would you mind giving us a quick overview of the state of play? You know, like known knowns, known unknowns. Yep, so we know that the um, recently the Game Week 31 fixtures have been decided and there'll be six blanks and four confirmed fixtures. Um, 
So the confirmed fixtures are Liverpool against Crystal Palace, Wolves against Bournemouth, Burnley, Watford and Tottenham West Ham. And those other six fixtures will be moved probably to either game 34 or 37. Um, and if they move to 34, they could just be single game week fixtures because the original 34 fixtures can be postponed due to the FA Cup uh, semi-finals. So that will all be decided just after the game week 31 deadline. So all we know at the minute is the game week 31 and most people are deciding whether to free hit or, or to prepare for that with free transfers in 31. And we know that game week 37 is definitely going to be a pretty big double game week. We should expect either 8, 10 or 12 teams to get a double game week in game week 37. And then game week 34, it's a bit unpredictable at the minute. It looks like either there's going to be 0, 1, 2, 3 or 4 teams with a double game week in game week 34. And we could have one or two teams with a blank as well. So it could turn out to be not, not that um, juicy as a double game week, um, or it could be quite good. So if you're holding your free hit, you just you don't know how it could go. And then there's probably going to be another little mini double game week sometime around game week 33, 36 or 35 featuring Aston Villa and Sheffield United. Again, that'll be decided after game week 31. So there's a lot up in the air at the minute. So we just have to make decisions based on what we know about game week 31. And yeah, and then there's all this uncertainty after that. Yeah, certainly. Listen to James uh, Planet FPL, who's become probably your heir, Ben, in a lot of ways in terms of understanding the complexities of the calendar. And it certainly seems, as you mentioned a second ago, that 34, um, especially is what people who aren't free-hitting in game week 31, are really looking at as the place they're going to be playing that chip. Uh, just to explain how we're going to do the pod uh, this time, uh, we're going to break the pod up into discussing blanks and doubles in two separate but related sections, just so we can keep it sort of uh, streamlined and we don't wind up in a bit of a free-for-all. Uh, the first thing to do is just quickly mention our chip strategy so you know where, where we're coming from in terms of uh, in terms of our situation. Uh, Anthony, where are you at the moment? Uh, so two wild cards are played, obviously, and I've also used my triple captain in game week 26. So that leaves me with the bench boost and the free hit left in play. So my plan is to use the free hit in 31, and I'm still unsure about when I would use the bench boost. Cool, Nick? In regards to the chips that I've still got in the game, the only one I've, I've used so far is the triple captain chip used brilliantly on um, Sadio Mane for a nice one times three, uh, which is brilliant. So I've still got my free hit, I've still got my bench boost, I've still got my wild card. Um, based on the way my team's set up, I'm probably going to be free hitting in, in 31 just because I don't, I don't have the coverage at all for 31 right now. So that's my, my general strategy um, with the plan to, to wild card later. Um, bench boosting in, in one of the double game weeks that's uh, to come cool i've got my free hit my bench boost to go and i've got absolutely no idea when to use them 34 was my initial plan coming around to 31 maybe uh, but i could easily go into 31 just managing it and 37 bench boost i think is probably the way i'm going to go and finally ben where are you at the moment um i've only used my triple captainship i'm sure that i'm going to plan for 31 just using free transfers and then the rest will be decided after the double game week fixtures are announced. But I'm pretty sure that I'll be wildcarding in 35 or 36 to set up the bench boost in 37. Um, the most likely time when I'll free hit is in 34. But that might turn out to be not a great double game week. And there are other options. I could even end up free hitting in game week 38 because that could be quite an advantage as that's normally quite a weird game week at the end of the season. 
Yeah, the free-for-all crapshoot. All right, certainly makes sense. So the first thing we speak about is blanks and the blank game week. And I guess the tension this year is free-hitting uh, in that 31 uh, versus managing your way through it. And I suppose at this point you have made the decision where you're going to go. Um, but it's still relevant because you're still able to get plus depending on your hit kind of tolerant in for 31 from now. How are we strategizing around this? So for me, it's it's almost certain that I have to free hit. Like even if I I could get to eight, I guess if I was to use my transfers shrewdly to build that. But I even I don't want to be on the double Liverpool defence, which is what I'm currently on. I'm happy to leave go of that. So even the four players that I have, I've hoped to reshuffle. So I have three Liverpool players right now, and just one Wolves player that are playing in that blank game week. So I'm I feel like I'm already well down the free hit cul-de-sac personally. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly the same as you, actually. I'm in the same situation right now. Three Liverpool players, one Wolves player. I like the fact that if I do get to use the free hit, um, I can have a full playing squad. Um, I will probably also pivot towards a Salah, uh, Salah Mane double up in midfield, which, um, which will be effective. I think it's the fact that we had this double game week 29 just obviously meant that I could focus on Arsenal players. I didn't have to worry about trying to cover for 31 and and not worrying about 31 too much has has afforded me a little bit of flexibility. Uh, For instance, this week as well, I I can consider perhaps bringing in a Sheffield United player uh, for game week 30 and then I'll have them for their um, double game week that Ben mentioned is coming up as well and they've got a couple uh, nice fixtures coming up, you know, like Newcastle and the um, the fixture against Aston Villa, which is going to be rearranged, um, potentially in a double, um, and like Burnley as well coming up as well. So that um, that kind of gives a little bit of flexibility. I think um, the idea that a lot of my opponents might only have seven or eight players in that game week also um, presents an opportunity to catch up and really sort of take advantage of, um, you know, the teams that aren't free hitting in that week by affording and sort of having a a proper starting 11 even though it's going to be quite a lot of the same players we're all going to own we're all going to have we're all going to have triple liverpool we're all potentially going to have triple wolves or at least double wolves and then the likes of nick pope and um, ismail Assar are sort of fitting in the bank so it's, it's, it's not perhaps it's not the most exciting thing to do to free hit in a in a week where you're going to see lots of the same teams lurking around but i, I still think it does present a little bit of um, an opportunity there I, th- I think so. I think the thing is, like, obviously, you- you're in a different situation to me as well because you've wildcarded Stags in a different situation as well because of the team he's got currently. Like, I look at my team as well, and I've I've got a few sort of Chelsea, Manchester United players and stuff like that, and and those guys have really good fixtures in in 32. So I wouldn't really want to be selling those players either right now, and I'd rather just think actually 31, I can free hit, and then I can go into 32 with the potential doubles um, coming up with um, a decent squad rather than sort of dead-ending my team, you know, loading up on those Watford and Burnley players um, right now. Yeah, I'd say that if you're happy with the state of your team, but you're not well prepared for game week 31, then it makes sense to free hit. Like you've got Chelsea and Man United, like you said, they're in good form at the minute, but they're not playing 31, so so free hit. For me, my team is in not great shape, and I could do with taking a few hits over the next couple of weeks. And taking hits around the bank game week can really work because you're getting player who has like one more fixture than the player you're releasing and um so yeah I'm, I'm happy to take a few hits in the next couple of weeks maybe rearrange my liverpool coverage get rid of Firmino and bring in Mane um I've got three wolves at the minute but one of them is Traore so I'll be getting rid of Traore and bringing in Jota um so yeah I'm going to take a minus eight this week I think and get to 10 players in game week 31 but I think the hit that I'm taking improves the, my, my squad in the weeks around um, 
the blank game where you can get 30, 32, and 33. So I think that it'll pay off over, over time. Why, why do you um, think that 31 is, is better to be managed and 34 is better to be played with the free hit then? Um, can you just remind me? Well, just, I think for me, I've already started planning for it. Obviously, for some people, free hitting in 31 is the right way to go because we know exactly what 31 is going to be and you know how well prepared you are for it. For game week 34, it might turn out not to be that much of a difficult game week to navigate, but it's only going to be decided like just before the game week 32 deadline. So you just get two free transfers or three, three free transfers to prepare for game week 34. Um, and I think some of the teams who are playing in game week 31 got some good fixtures around like Watford, for example, have like two really good home games after game week 31 against Southampton and Newcastle in uh, 32 and 35. And Southampton and Newcastle are the two teams who are in mid-table. They've got nothing to play for, really. And so they could be really good fixtures. Obviously, Wolves, they struggled this week against Bryson at home, but I think they'll do much better against teams like West Ham away and Aston Villa away and Arsenal at home coming up with their counter-attacking style of play. Yeah, I mean, free hitting in 31 is, is the right play for some people, but I'm, I'm happy just to take hits and, and play it with free transfers. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned last week there were a few teams like Wolves in that kind of Goldilocks zone of having that 31 fixture, having the form and just having all round good games in the running. Uh, but I guess let's see what the market's doing, because that's really useful, isn't it, in terms of uh, seeing how the wider kind of sentiment is reflecting uh, the strategies. Uh, or can we read anything to the strategies? Uh, Nick, we're going to jam in market forces here. I know you've been very, very keen, chomping at the bits, I might say, to, to give your expertise. Uh, what's it looking like out there? So um, the market's gone Manchester United mad, actually. So, yeah, I mean, surprisingly, obviously, Manchester United do not have the um, the game in 31. So uh, people are not too concerned. Clearly, the players that are bringing in um, are Fernandez, Bruno Fernandez, with 81,000 transfers in, by far the most transferred in player right now. And second is um, Anthony Martial, who also scored at the weekend, 36,000 transfers in. So, yeah, Bruno Fernandez, surprisingly, it's only been at the club um, the five Premier League games so far, but has already got two goals and three assists. His, um, his name, he's just reinvigorated the um, Manchester United playing squad. Um, uh, fantastically, it's surprising look at he's actually already got 13 points more than Jesse Lingard over the course of the season. Um, so you know, um, can do something to impress the youth in the squad as well, perhaps. Uh, let them bring their A game to the to the stage, but yeah, Bruno Fernandez, um, eighty one thousand transfers in there. Um, Martial, um, second most transferred in player there with thirty six thousand transfers in. Uh, Manchester United have Spurs away, and then a blank there's Brighton away, Bournemouth at home, Aston Villa away, but. But Spurs is an easy fixture now, so we'll see what happens there. But otherwise, um, apart from the Manchester United players, in terms of the transfers in, it's uh, it's players that um, it's teams that have games in thirty-one that people are looking at. So looks like there's sort of two, a bit of a divide here. Perhaps the free hitters um, can afford to look at the Manchester United players like Martial and Fernandez, whilst those that aren't free hitting are looking at those Liverpool and Wolves players instead. So Mane is in third with 34,000 transfers in time recording. Then it's Jimenez with 33,000, uh, Jota with 29,000 and Doherty with 28,000 transfers in so far. 
Yes, it's pretty interesting um, run there. And it's, it's no surprise. Manchester United, historically, their players are always being brought in en masse when they play well. But what I'm kind of more interested in, actually, is you're seeing a bit of a development in the, the Chelsea interest as well. Obviously, Marcus Alonso doing quite well in defensive transfers. But there's a split kind of three ways between Mason Mount and Willian and Barkley kind of there. They're all quite similar in terms of transfers in. And then even further down again, you've got Giroud being brought in too. So there's... <coughs> Yes, there is definitely a little bit of a game week one, game week thirty one element to these transfers, but nevertheless, there is just an awful lot of just what happened last week bias going on here too. Would you not say? Yeah, for sure. It's it. I found it quite interesting actually that, that Calvert Lewin as well was the sixth most transferred in player because it seems a little bit of an odd one because he he did blank at the weekend. He has been in sensational form, but Everton's next five aren't great. It's Liverpool at home, blank Leicester at home, Spurs away. So um, I found that a little bit of an odd move, even though Calvin Lewin, as we said, had been in um, sensational form uh, before that blank. Otherwise, in terms of transfers out, it's um, Kevin De Bruyne um, being heavily sold, um, even though he's only yellow flags, he's not red flags. So he's only a doubt for the next fixture, but clearly a lot of people um, had enough of Manchester City in general. I'm, I'm not too sure about that move at the moment. I feel like there's a little bit of impatience um, there, considering we don't know the extent of the injury and they do have Burnley at home. But then it's a blank for Manchester City, so um, a lot of people uh, perhaps looking to get rid of him. Um, I think and- you you could definitely say with those De Bruyne transfers out there, there's an awful lot of that is just going straight to the two United midfielders who are at least actually playing and United look to be on a serious upward trajectory at the moment. So it, you can kind of see that maybe with Pep clearly outlining that City's focus has moved off the league as well, that maybe it's just people just cutting their losses with De Bruyne after a little bit of frustration. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um Otherwise, in terms of the transfers out, the only other one really to call out as big transfer out is, is Danny Ings, um, second most transferred out player right now, 40,000 um, transfers out. I know um, Tom got rid of him for Jota this week as well. It looks like a lot of people perhaps making that move. And we've also got a question on that coming up later. Right. Yeah. So it sounds like uh, recency bias basically is still the underpinning factor. Uh, for the market so that's not particularly useful to some extent uh, instead maybe what we could make useful is think about what the team I guess for game with 31 is more likely to be because Nick you did mention a minute ago um, that uh, you know we're all going to be kind of homing in around the same players aren't we and actually there's a good question from FPL Quinton on this to move us on who asked if we recommend differentiating or blocking in that game week uh, depending on uh, whether you are or aren't playing free hit uh, so, I mean, Ben, I'll come to you first, since you're kind of the man across across this. Um, what do you think the team's likeliest to be? Like, what are some of the key players people are going to be picking up? And what do you say to FPL Quinton? Would you be advocating differentials or would you be advocating sort of treading water and just playing shield picks? Like, what's your view? Um, in game week 31, I guess everyone's going to have three Liverpool and, and three Wolves and then you'll make up your team with maybe... a. A Watford player or two Burnley um, defenders. I suppose in terms of differentials, I wouldn't look to pack pack my team with differentials. They'd get one or two. I suppose as you get down to your eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh players, there'll be differentials by themselves because just there's not going to be many people who are that heavily owned outside the top six like Liverpool and Wolves. Um, I think it's like a mega differential. I might go for someone from Watford. I just wonder if Burnley might start taking the foot off the gas a bit now that they're safe and haven't really got much of a chance of getting into Europe. So maybe you could go for a Ducouré or a Saar. Um, 
Spurs probably the differentials differentials would be against West Ham against Spurs because Spurs are doing so badly at the minute and West Ham looks to be a bit better going forward. I mean, did you know that both of Watford and West Ham uh, still ha- don't have a player over 5% owned? Uh, the top owned player at West Ham is still Winston Reid, uh, who's now uh, in Kansas City. Um, and uh, the top owned player at Watford is still Ben Foster. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're in the right province there, Ben. I think the team is like, looking like, uh, I don't know, off the top of my head, Pope and Gold, Trent. Robbo, Trent or Robbo or VVD, some sort of combination. A burning defender like it be Charlie Taylor, uh, Doherty, um, uh, Salah and slash Mane, Saar, Ali, I mean up front, uh, Jimenez, Jota and uh, Wilson slash Wood, uh, depending on uh, how you're feeling about that. Uh, so I think with a few of the kind of the key men covered, and I think that you know the differential will, will replay a big role. Um, just to nominate one uh, for me, it's uh, Mikel Antonio, uh, 0.8% ownership. He's four for XGI over the last four games and the top 10 for XG on target, despite only having six strikes. Um, his direct play in the past means that he's been a great asset to own when on song. I don't expect too much, though. His past history isn't that great, 130 points, something like that. He's the third midfielder. 6.9 million price it is. Um, maybe not for 5 million too much, but he's capable of returns, both in assists and goals. Another reason why I mentioned Antonio, though, is that Spurs have conceded more chances down the right flank than any other team in terms of the absolute number and the proportion of chances they conceded um, over the last four. That's where Antonio ravages, uh, if you look at the touch map on Fans Football Scout. Um, another one to consider is Jared Bowen, but I really like Antonio, uh, four game week 31 this is. And next week we'll talk a bit more about kind of uh, key players in that, but just the flavour of the sort of player you can be looking to leverage in. Um, the other guys, any uh, any players, Stag, you raising your hand? Yeah, so I think I've definitely identified Dwight McNeil. It's not exactly a shock pick for anybody, but I think Dwight McNeil could be a pretty good pickup in that game week against Watford. I think Watford are... In spite of the Liverpool win, I think they're starting to lack a little bit of uh, maybe the oomph that they were showing under Pearson starting off. And it, like, look, Burnley are sixth for big chances created over the last 10 game weeks. And they're third for set pieces as well in that time, being eighth for XG. And it's, McNeil just kind of looks like the most consistent of those players, for me anyway, from an FPL point of view. Like, look, you could be playing the very classic game of blank game week roulette between the likes of Chris Wood and J-Rod and even Matej Vaidra if you really wanted to go down that line. But I think just McNeil kind of coming in, they've the City away game and even game week 30, so you could hold off for that. But then even after 31, there's some pretty good fixtures there with uh, Palace away and Sheffield United at home, West Ham away, culminating with uh, 35 against Liverpool away and they're, they're all fine fixtures for Burnley um, at, the, at this point, especially because like, by 35, the stadiums will probably be empty. So being away at Anfield won't make much of a difference. Yeah, yeah. I think McNeil's actually the, uh, the player that I um, called out as well, um, or at least identified as perhaps um, you know, a really good differential that's out there. As, as Ben said, you know, we've got the triple um, Liverpool, triple Wolves, and then essentially I've got five extra places. So it allows me a little bit of creative freedom to bring in some of these characters <laughs> I wouldn't perhaps um, really consider for my main squads or, or too much of a risk. And yeah, you, you can bring in Ismail Assar. Um, obviously, he, he's well on the radar after that fantastic performance against Liverpool. Uh, but McNeil as well, he's, he's definitely been that. I think he has been that creative linchpin um, in that Burnley team so far this season. I mean, he's had 43 chances created over the course of season 11 have been big chances, which actually for all midfielders which is pretty decent uh, returns and he's got um, seven assists to his name as well he's only got the two goals so n- not too many goals so far this season but um, 
plenty of attempts for sure. 31, which is a chance of 40.5 minutes. So it ranks him sort of slightly um, higher than uh, Jack Grealish. So, you know, he's definitely got the form there. Another sort of young player that's sort of really emerging this season. Yeah, in my head, what McNeil kind of fills is what Johanberg Goodmanson used to fill, that kind of creative and attacking void at Burnley at a mid-table team. And so I think like McNeil, for me, kind of falls in the same category as a blank game week differential as Callum Wilson and Ismail Assar. They're kind of, if you're high-flying, I kind of expect you should have a team with like your three Liverpool players, maybe Son if he's actually back playing by then, and then look double Wolves and then cap a pool player and then one of those players whereas if you're trying to catch up to look at FPL Quinton's kind of differentiating or blocking question just to fall back to it then I think you know it's the likes of Sars and McNeil's and Wilson's that you're going to want to be bringing into your team. I would just mention Jared Bowen because he's rivaling Antonio in terms of minutes per XG in the last four weeks and I think he's going to explode onto the scene pretty soon We'll, we'll get early team news for that Friday night game, maybe, um, in game week 31. And I think the way that West Ham played against Arsenal, they really went for it. So Spurs look quite vulnerable as well. So I think I quite like Jared Bowen. But I think my transfer this week will be for Antonio as part of my eight-point hit. So I'll have one West Ham player, just Antonio. Okay, and in terms of that um, kind of question from Quinton, how would you weigh covering versus differentiating I'm not thinking about ownership really because, yeah, I'm just looking at people who are giving me the most the most points. Um, I suppose if if you're ranked outside, way outside your goals and want to catch up quickly, then going for the really low owned owned players is a good move. But of these four teams, there aren't that many players who are, who are highly owned. Like it's just the Wolves and Liverpool players who are highly owned. You could even take a punt on a Bournemouth attacker if you think they'll suddenly get something against Wolves but I don't think you need to think too much about ownership just specifically in this blank game week 31 because yeah the other teams outside of Liverpool and Wolves aren't going to be highly owned they'll just naturally be differentials I'll just say one more thing a good way to differentiate yourself is your five players outside of Liverpool and Wolves if you just look at the other two games with Spurs West Ham and Burnley Watford pick a team in each of those two games that you think going to win and then you could go for like three West Ham say and, and two Burnley or a different combination of that you might think Watford and Spurs will win and specifically go for Spurs and Watford players um, and just and just hope that those games go the way that you're back in if you want to try and differentiate yourself. Excellent. Uh, anyone else got anyone else, anything else to say apart from Barnes Train? Um, no? Stag's not looking very happy. Uh, Nick's looking a bit happier. Yeah, I'm, I'm in celebratory mood because uh, Barnes just now has a, has a brace. So it's added an extra 10 points to my score, I think, since uh, I gave my re- um, update earlier. Cool. All right, let's take a break there. Stag, leave that open on the shelf. And we'll uh, be back to talk about the doubles in just a sec. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back on this joyride through the chip season and uh, we're continuing our discussion with double game weeks. Uh, why are they so exciting? Uh, well, Ben, they're your raison d'etre, aren't they? They're the thing that kind of uh, gets you up in the morning and gets you going. But um, in terms of double game weeks, why did you decide to make them your thing? And what good memories can you share with us about uh, your double game week experiences? Because they are, without doubt, the most like uh, exciting part of FPL, I suppose, aren't they? Yeah, I don't know if I made them my thing. I just had a spreadsheet that where I could see when they're going to fall and see that they're mostly falling into game weeks 34 and 37. I guess people just started following me and thinking that I was the double game week guru, but I don't know. I probably love them just as much as everyone else. And obviously 
you can have really bad experiences with them and, and maybe when you have a bad experience you remember it more than the good experiences and you can start thinking that they're not worth planning for but if players are playing twice and you know that player is guaranteed to start then it's definitely worth going for you you get twice the appearance points just as a baseline and then obviously you've got two more chances to get the, the goal points and the bonus points and it's just yeah it's exciting to try and try and go for it and make the most of it especially since the chips were introduced and it gives you an opportunity to just focus on those weeks if it's say free hitting a double game week or bench boosting in the final game week 37 you don't really have to plan for it too much you can just wild card, wild card into game week 37 and really go through it at the end of the season i guess my memory of game week 37 of bench boosting is when Sunderland were trying to survive at the expense of Newcastle and they had Everton as one of their double game week fixtures and it was, I had three Sunderland defenders or maybe the goalkeeper and two defenders and Sunderland stayed up and kept a clean sheet and basically relegated Newcastle but I, I was having one of my best seasons and that really helped me so it was like really conflicted emotions not knowing what to, what to think. That's really stuck with me. <laughs> there are lots of other game weeks I think in popular memory but there is that huge one uh, from the 2016-17 which I think is still kind of the, the popular touch point for people in kind of thinking oh well double game week really transformed my rank uh, that was the, the Sanchez slash Kane double game week uh, where uh, Sanchez got 54 points if you captained him um, and the Kane uh, would have got you a 62 if you'd captained which is pretty damn good that's the next famous Ben Davis weekend as well. So I think that that's really been a kind of a touch point for what doubles can do. I mean, Stag, you've got a similar sort of, uh, I think it's the same weekend as well, which is your memory too. Same yeah, weekend. same weekend. I really, I think I was going into those final few game weeks of the season, kind of trying to save, a, I think it was a top 1% rank at the time. And I was, I just tactically just planned for that game week, thinking I could be a spaceman if everything went well. And I had Ben Friend, Ben Davies there. I had Alexis Sanchez. I had Kane. I had Gabriel Jesus, who hit 19 points. I had De Bruyne, who hit 15 points. And if I'd captained properly, I would have broken 200 points. But I captained Eden Hazard, the FPL troll himself, for 10 points. <laughs> so I think he was one of my lowest scoring players that week. And so I only ended up only ended up with 161. But what could have been was screaming oh. out after 161 points. It was oh. a really bizarre turn. Yeah, just, just the 161. That's not too bad at all, um, to be honest. Um, but obviously Hazard, yeah, trolling you as usual. Um, I mean, for me, I think the river's not particularly wild when it comes to my sort of highlights of my double game week moments. Um, in, in true sort of Nick Pick style, they seem to mostly involve centre-backs um, performing well. <laughs> so I remember like one year when, when the uh, Middlesbrough in the Premier League and I captain Ben Gibson, surprisingly, and then that one um, was affected. I think that was a 14 times two that... Um, he got me in that game and um, also got special memories from last season when um, Laporte bossed it for me as well as Captain Pig. I think that was when everyone was picking um, so that was the, uh, the famous week that Sane got the uh, the one times three and um, I think Laporte got something like 18 and then he, he did really well in the, in the second double game week of that season as well. Um, so yeah, um, not not particularly um, exciting memories I suppose but um, very Nick Pick style. Of course, as well, the, the legendary tragedy of last season with the, the Duffy triple captaincy, which I feel I'm like contractually obliged to hammer in here just to give people flashbacks. Yeah, a lot of scar tissue from that one, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I completely blocked that one out from my memory. Actually, um, I do. <laughs> I do occasionally see those threads on Twitter. Like, what's your worst memory of FPL? And I only when I see it in the comments, I go, Oh God, I remember doing that. Why did I ever do that? And I blame you. And I realize, and I realize, why did I invite you on this podcast? Because you single-handedly cost me about twenty-five points. But anyway, um, um, all these things that I have done, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what an assist! Right, getting into the season then. Um, we, we've uh, so every season we we tend to have a few double game weeks, don't we? And uh, to end the season this this year, we, we've got kind of a, a bit of a funny one because we've got double game week first seven that Ben explained at the very top is looking like the very large one. However. We do have a potential split of games to be redone. Uh, so game week 34 is looking like one which is full of possibilities. And uh, I'm not going to pretend to be an absolute expert here. The experts are Ben and James from Planet. Um, but one of the questions that we've had uh, from Chris Tan, um, uh, who's our friend at Fantasy Football Hub, uh, has said, can you go into, into more depth but the likely doublers in 34? Um, all set to wildcard, blah, blah, blah. Um, but he doesn't like the idea of filling his team with players um, if it's going to be a really rubbish-looking game week, uh, all in all. Uh, so, Ben, I think, if you, could you just quickly kind of uh, just tell us what it's looking like at the moment? I know you kind of, uh, kind of summarised it earlier on, but what are the teams uh, that are likely to or could have a double? I, I think there's a kind of what they call a, a doomsday scenario on planet where no double game weeks could happen, but that seems quite unlikely, right? Please reassure us. No, well, there is a, a small chance that there were there were no double game weeks in that week. It's just because of the the TV companies really have the power of moving games to where they want within game weeks thirty four and thirty seven, and we already know that one fixture from game week thirty one is very likely to move to game week thirty seven. That being Leicester Brighton. Um, that's just to, because Bryson are playing on the Monday night and on the Saturday evening in game week 34 already, so they can't play a game in game week 34 midweek. So that could have knock-on consequences, um, meaning like it's more likely that the 34 postponements will stay in 34, possibly, and the game week 31 postponements will go to 37. But it, it really depends on who wins and loses in the, um, in the quarterfinals coming up. You could have, I suppose, Everton and Norwich is the, the fixture that can get moved to either one, and Everton might might have a double game week in that week um, against Southampton and Norwich. That would be a really good fixtures worth targeting. But maybe you could just say there's a 50-50 chance of that happening right now, and, and, and no team has, has got more than a 50% chance of getting a double game week. And like I said before, we'll get anything from the range of like zero to four teams getting a double game week. But most likely it would be like one or two maybe. And one or two teams could get a blank, like Crystal Palace, for example. But it's, it's unpredictable at the minute. Yeah. Um, the thing is that we know that there'll be another mini double game week featuring um, Sheffield United and probably Aston Villa. So that could be a backup as a free hit chip. And, but then again, the, the, the next backup is game week 38. If, if none of the double game weeks look good for the free hit, then you can just go for it on the last week of the season and target the teams who have something to play for against the teams who are properly on the beach and rotating. And yeah, that's a good backup plan, I think. Sure. It definitely feels like double game weeks, or at least the backup double game week was so much better when you were young. Like at the moment, those, all of those sound pretty bad. Yeah. Like I've, I've held him, I'm holding my free hit chip. Um, and it looks like I'm going to hold it for 31 because that's just kind of the way I'm set up now. Sunk cost fallacy, ahoy, but hey. Um, and it's just looking like, um, well, I'm a little bit worried there, uh, then, I should probably say, but that I'm holding that free hit chip for you know what could be an absolute 
nuclear disaster and uh, and then it's very good to have it or it could just be a week where actually the, the doubles aren't that great anyway so i'll be grabbing aston villa sheffield united newcastle i think they've got on the floating fixtures haven't they hanging around like none of it's looking particularly appetizing i've got to say no i um, suppose chelsea as well maybe could you get a double game week that might make it a bit more t- um juicy with i suppose that chelsea double game week would be, would be crystal palace away in man city at home man city would be rotating a lot at that yeah at that point but like thinking about free hitting in game week 38, everyone's going to bench boost in game week 37. Their teams will be really stacked with bench boosting. They won't be very, very balanced. If you can then free hit out of that into game week 38 and have a team specifically designed for that week, you could really benefit at the end of the season and get a nice little boost then. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not worrying too much because there is a chance that game week 34 will be good for a free hit. For example, like Wolves could blank. Um, if Sheffield United win in the next round and then Sheffield United Wolves gets postponed. And so if like everyone has three Wolves players and they blank, that would be cause a bit of a, a panic and you could get an advantage. I mean, there are, there are enough possibilities, I think, to make saving a free hit quite worthwhile overall. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting one because it's, it's hard to say what the plan is really when we don't really have enough information. Obviously, I think I've got my, my setup, I'm planning for 31. In terms of 34, I think it's going to be a bit of a wait and see in terms of who to bring in. The Everton point I found um, quite interesting. Um, so you could say if they did end up with that double, Southampton, Norwich would certainly be a team that a lot of us will be targeting. But then it'd be also interesting to see, you know, if the likes of Tom, who's obviously planning or potentially planning to use his free hit there um, we know that Liverpool um, have Brighton that week so would it be a question to would it be a gamble to perhaps avoid Liverpool and just load up on teams which have the double fixture or you know that could be a bit of a risky strategy that perhaps you could take at that stage of the season and avoid some of the single game week teams um, and, and focus purely on on the ones that have the double in that week. Yeah, for me, it's pretty simple given I just have the bench boost left. I think I'll wait and see as this turns out and look if I use the bench boost in 34 or if I use it in 37. It doesn't really matter to me which one I do it in. It's just a matter of just, you know, once I know all the information, maximizing the players I have and just optimizing as best I can to get as many points as I can. Yeah, exactly. I think with my wild card in situ, I don't know whether I'm going to be wild carding in 33 or if it's going to end up being as, as late as 36. And it just feels like if you're wild carding as late as 36, it's almost like you've wasted the chip away just purely for this one week in 37 where I'll, I want to bench boost, obviously. But I, I don't know. I don't know what you think about the wild card, Ben. You've still got yours. Are you planning on holding it? Do you think, yeah. or do you think you're going to use it before 34 to try and you know, experiment with those fixtures at least. Yeah, I've still got my wild card and I don't really buy into the theory that you're wasting it if you're keeping it for that long because the wild card is only useful really if your team is in really bad shape and you need to, to fix it with by making multiple transfers. And I try and stay on top of my team so that there's never too many fires to put out at one point. So if you can save it and you can keep your team fairly well settled up to game week 36, then you can get a big advantage in 37 because you know the team should have something to play for you can identify the mismatches where some teams might be on the beach and playing the, the reserves or experimenting with lineups and you can target certain fixtures so at the minute the teams who could double in game week 37 it's like really aligning with the relegation battle and the top four battle the top five battle teams like arsenal aston villa chelsea maybe brighton 
Man United. Um, yeah, there are a few teams that could be really worth targeting. There's some good uh, budget options as well to put on your bench. Mm-hmm. It could work really well for a bench boost in game week 37. Yeah, and I guess a lot depends as well on, on Liverpool. Obviously, if, if they're still in the Champions League and they will have won the title by then, then that game week 34, going back to that one, might be a week where we see um, Klopp experiment with the likes of Curtis Jones, um, you know, getting some game time and, you know, playing the, the B team that don't get as many fixtures, you know, like sort of Orohi and Lallana, for instance, and not playing any Salah or Mane. So if, if you took a gamble, for instance, and free hit it in that 34 and just said, right, um, I'm not going to bother with Liverpool and just going for these double game week teams. It, it could really, really pay off if, whilst everyone else is just frustrated by the lack of Liverpool players playing. I think the other thing as well, the other word looking at it is, is that for 37, we're all saying that that's a big game week. We're also saying that that could be the time when all the big teams are rotating, yada, yada, yada. So might that be a good time to free hit and might kind of bench boosting in a single be a good idea as well. So for example, friend of the pod, um, FPL Physio, um, bench boosted this week is on 90 plus points right now incredible like, so you know, these sorts of scores I mean you obviously got to get lucky with a penalty save or something like that from McCarthy but um, those sorts of scores in the bench boost and single are definitely possible and then you're on to um, you know the free hit giving you that sort of maximum flexibility for the 37 um, you're able to concentrate on kind of teams throughout the rest of the, lo- the running um, which are you know the big teams blah blah blah, blah. Uh, but 37 you can really concentrate on those big games that mean something I suppose so I mean that could be another way around of, uh, of doing it that was what I was looking at with that. There's those 37 fixtures as well. And it might be the, I think I'm, as I've noted earlier, I think I'm way too far down the, the cul-de-sac with 31 and using my free hit to be able to use it. But the likes of Gabriel Jesus, Bernardo Silva are going to go riotous in that game week. You know, they're not really tired no matter what um, anyone says and whether champion, they're in the Champions League or not won't even affect them. And if, if there's any chance of those sorts of players playing in that game week, you think of Arsenal, they play Villa that game week already, we know that much. An easy fixture as well for them. Villa probably relegated at that point. It, there's an awful lot of fixtures there where kind of things are going to get a little bit silly. And even actually for the for those who love the history, um, Harry Kane probably will be back for Spurs going up to or hosting Leicester that weekend as well. Yeah, I just think when if there are maybe 12 teams with a double game week, the advantage of bench boosting them then is because there's such a big pool of players who have two fixes. You can like cover a lot of bases with, with a bench boost. Um, and there could be a few teams in the relegation fight with, with a double game week, like I mentioned earlier. Aston Villa, Brighton, um, teams like that. And then Sheffield United could still be going for Europe and they could have a double game week then. And there are plenty of cheap options that will help people who are bench boosting over people who are free hitting. It's not like there's loads of high-budget options this year that you're going to struggle to squeeze in. Yeah, certainly having that breadth of uh, of coverage, that breadth of uh, interest is very good. I mean, I think there's some, it's very difficult to uh, get away from that, the allure of having 30 players. Like, no matter what, we can kind of... Uh, uh, maybe there's lots of evidence in the past that going having a bounce in singles and doubles is a good thing, but getting that... 30 out is very juicy indeed, isn't it? And indeed, that's probably the last thing we're going to quickly mention here, uh, which is the uh, the single single game week versus double game week. It's, it's worth mentioning because last year's winner, the runaway winner, Adam Levy, um, who this year 
I think he's uh, outside of Andrew K, certainly. Uh, he said this. He said, in previous years, I've tried to pack my team full of double game week players. Um, but he's learned, he'd learned about double game weeks, which was that good single game week players often do as well, if not better than double game week players. So he said he was much less focused on backing his team double game week players. He got the likes of Sigurd, Sigurdsson, uh, Calvert-Lewin and Luca Dean uh, last year. And if you remember, Everton had a ridiculous uh, ridiculous riposte once they didn't have any pressure to do anything. Uh, For example, Luca Dean scored over 40 points in the last six weeks. Uh, So single game weekers versus double double game weekers. Obviously, we're a bit far out and obviously we're speaking hypothetically, so let's keep it fairly short. Uh, But what's our view on these guys? I mean, are they worth, uh, is is it always worth kind of going for uh, the dustline fairy tale of having the 30? Um, Or do we think that you can feel it in your bones that some uh, single game weekers are worth owning? Uh, On a broad spectrum, what do you guys think? I think sometimes we do neglect the single game weekers in, in these sort of weeks and we get overexcited. With, we start thinking about getting the, the perfect 30. I've, I've never actually done the perfect 30. I've always got close. There's always been, you know, a Liverpool player or, or I think it's a Riyad Mahrez type character a few seasons back and um, that kind of prevents it being the, the total 30 out of 30. But um, the Everton point was actually a really interesting one because I do remember that last season, like, I was just so hung up and focused on on bringing in um, double game week players and avoiding, you know, teams like Everton. And Everton went on this really good run of fixtures. And I think, you know, um, really good run of form, like Luca Dean getting all those points. And I, I didn't hone him at all for that period of time. Instead, I owned him through his fallow patch of um, single game weeks where he was getting minus ones and zeros and, and things like that, which was uh, pretty brutal. And I think... Um, we do get hung up, as I said, a little bit in terms of double game weeks, but sometimes these teams that have the double game weeks, you know, they're they're struggling for form, they're they're struggling, they're tired because they've got to fit two fixtures in in one week, whilst a single game week team only has the one fixture to focus on. So perhaps we'll have a little bit more energy when it comes to that particular game, whilst the other team might be conserving energy. We also see, as I said, that you know the dreaded rotation comes into uh, factor as well during this sort of period. So I, I think certainly we do sometimes. Focus. I mean, I said this on the last pod that we focus too much on the fixtures and not enough on the form. And if there's a single game week player that's, that's in absolutely fantastic form, you know, like likes of Harvey Barnes or someone from this game week, then why should we not consider them and just instead of looking purely at the double game week guys? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think when I'm bench boosting in 37, I think last year maybe I had. Uh, or, year before that, maybe I had one or two single game week players. But just looking at the fixes this year, the teams who are likely to single game week, Tottenham are guaranteed a single game week. It's against Leicester at home. So I'm not sure. Would you want to try and go for Kane as like a really expensive option when he's going to take a lot of your budget or, or so on? Um, Liverpool will have a single game week also, definitely. Um, that's at home to Chelsea. And Chelsea will be going for the, maybe the top four at that point. So that could be difficult one to spend a lot of your budget on a player like Salah or Mane. I don't know if you'd want to do that. And then, I don't know, Bournemouth at home to Southampton, that could be a single game week. That that could be the fixture to target if they're still fighting for survival and Southampton are really coasting at that point and not, not trying. So that could be a, like a good single game week to put on your bench for a bench boost like a Callum Wilson or a Josh King maybe. Got you. I feel like it might be this year. Um, this year might be a very interesting one in terms of having a lot of money. Uh, I think in the past we've looked at it and kind of we've had to try to wedge in lots of the top teams. This year you've got Man City, who are let's be fair, going to be a rotation train wreck. Uh, you've got Liverpool, who who knows what's going to be happening? Because Nick mentioned earlier, you might see the likes of you know Curtis Jones playing regularly. Um, 
I'm not even going to pronounce the Irish goalkeeper's name, but maybe he might be, uh, maybe he might be on the field, who knows? Um, so you're going to have all this money kind of floating around. And in years past, I guess, we have kind of kept uh, uh, favouring the big teams, but with the likes of Spurs and, uh, well, up until last week, Chelsea, absolute train wrecks. Um, maybe we will be looking at teams trying to get out of the relegation mire. Um, so I guess that leads to a bit of flexibility, which brings me back to that kind of idea of maybe in 37, uh, it might be interesting to have that free hit. The double game weeks are a long, long way away. The, the one known double game week is so far away in game week 37 that it's quite hard to start preparing now. Um, we know that Man City are the team that's almost it's nailed on to have a double game week then against Watford and Newcastle at home or Chelsea away, but that's just so far away in, in Man City. It's so unpredictable at the minute. But, and then we, we know it's quite hard to start preparing for game week 34, the double game week. It's hard to prepare that now because there's so many possibilities for which teams could double and no team are likely to double at the minute. Have we ever found out this late is the final question of this section? Because uh, it just seems like, I, I don't know whether, maybe something that we say every year and next year we just forget all about it. But it does feel especially late this year that the chips haven't all fallen into place. That's what's, what's happened in most years with the, the, the blank game week coming in game week 31, the, the final blank, and then the first double game week being in, in game week 34. And that's following the pattern this year. The thing about that's different, been different this year is that the winter break has pushed the FA Cup fifth round a bit later. So we've only had like three game weeks to prepare for the blank. And that's made it a bit more difficult to prepare for this big blank game week in game week 31. But I think it'll follow the normal pattern for, for the confirmation of the doubles in 34 and 37. Cool. All right. We'll take a break there and we'll move on to the questions. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Yeah, so I got Callagher actually. Yeah, okay. Queen Callagher. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's not possible. If I hope he never gets into the first team, I hope he's. I hope his career just fails just because I'm never going to pronounce his name. Harrahan. 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 Yeah, but that's actually uh, often got wrong in Ireland. That's that's his Cork. That's a Cork pronunciation, but he's from Cork. So. Harrahan. Harrahan. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um. Uh, so we're back and we're on to the final bit of the questions now. Just to mention quickly as well that I had a great time at Always Cheating Meetup on Friday. It was fantastic as always to meet everybody. Uh, it's a great a great privilege and a great pleasure to to chat with so many people engaged with FPL. I mean, I was saying it's genuinely like such a positive of doing this sort of thing that you get to go out and meet uh, new people, which sounds a bit sad, but really when you hit your 30s, I mean, we're not really old, but we are in our 30s, but from Stag, who's in his early 20s. Uh, opportunities to do that sort of thing do diminish. So it's just fantastic to do. And obviously, seeing Josh and Brandon uh, absolutely great as always bona fide celebrities of the FPL world uh, alongside meeting James and Serge uh, for the millionth time too and there's a great photo of us uh, and, and our friend Jeff Pedder as well all right uh, let's move on to questions then uh, the first thing uh, a few questions for Ben actually uh, just uh, well might as well uh, get the this is your life book out uh, so Ben uh, first question uh, from from Tom uh, me uh, how did you get into your current unique FPL niche how did that happen um, I guess I started playing FPL seriously in like 2010-11, started playing for money and I was kind of a, a lurker, just lurking FPL Twitter and lurking the fantasy football scout forums, not really contributing much, not thinking that I had much to offer. And then when, when the chips were introduced, I took more of an interest in the schedule and, and made this spreadsheet and started sharing that and I thought that that would be a good way to, to predict the blanks and double games because they became more important when we had the bench boost and, and the triple captain and the, and the second half wild card. 
Um, so yeah, I just shared that. Um, I think I had like 700 followers back in 2016 and then it's just kind of exploded from there year on year and I've just developed this niche in the community that I wasn't really expecting, but it's, it's happened and I'm very grateful for it. I've been able to do something that I enjoy doing and people seem to really like appreciate what I do and I don't really need that kind of stuff, but it's, it's really, yeah, I'm just glad to be in the position that I am. Yeah, you can do a great job of it as well. Uh, Dan, FPL sick of it, asks, what do you do for fun away from FPL? Um, I just, I suppose I like running and play football a bit. Um, like watching drama, TV shows, the standard kind of stuff. Nothing too exciting. You play poker as well, don't you? Oh, I, I used to play poker. Um, I used to play that kind of professionally when I was in my early 20s, but I've gradually phased out from, from that and I don't really play online much anymore at all might want to play a bit live in, in the future but um my poker days are behind me now <laughs> yeah move move one the one the addicting card game to another and uh, re- replacing poker with fpl uh, mm-hmm. simon and guara chairman um asked if you ever get tired of spreadsheets uh, do you smile like you mean it when you have to and actually just effing hate them or uh, is it genuinely something that you will, that you enjoy doing oh it's something i enjoy doing yeah especially with my transfer planner spreadsheet which i've I started making like two or three years ago and that's a lot more complicated than the, the simple ones that I make with the, the schedule. Um, yeah, I've been, enjoyed just like learning new skills to do with spreadsheets and getting it to do what, what I want. Um, just learning as I go and now I do, do spreadsheets for other stuff. Like I keep record of the films that I've watched on spreadsheets and just do it quite a lot. I don't really get tired of, tired of it. Oh yeah, that's the other way, isn't it? Not not uh, getting tired of them, but actively seeking them out. If you're keeping a, a movie spreadsheet, yours. And uh, the final one is uh, from Paul Pereira Coleman, who said, "Didn't have any questions for you, but he just wanted to extend his thanks to you for all the hard work you do." And I think that that's definitely true of everybody who uh, takes your advice and leans on you uh, for the information that you give. Uh, so yeah, uh, Ben, you're a star in uh, everybody's eyes, including mine. Right. Let's move on to the rest of the questions then. So yeah, move, moving on to the questions. Uh, first one's about wildcard woes, and this is from Rich P. Um, he said to us that he's he's really hating his squad, and is um, wondering if using the wildcard pre the blanks is is a good idea. So um, wildcarding this week potentially. Um, Stag, did you want to um, answer this one first? Like Rich, I'm kind of just of the why not, Rich like two weeks of pain can do an awful lot of damage to your team and like this could be a time a good time to get a bounce on everybody else you're going to be pretty much the only person making a move if you were to uh use that wild card now and look this is perhaps a good time to pivot all a little bit off the classic triple pool that we all had might be a time to move off city assets completely as well just wean yourself off those maybe get look at the chelsea differentials that are emerging figure out a way of maybe maximizing this sudden flowering of Manchester United again I think there's some really good opportunities there for you and like you can also ready up for the game weeks that are beyond the the blank I think a lot of people are kind of fixated on that at the moment and I think the, they, they're not like the teams that you're going to be looking at choosing now if you wildcard aren't actually manifestly different like from what you would be doing if you were to actually pick a team after the blank and so with that in mind I oh, Wolves have good fixtures Liverpool have good fixtures like West Ham are still the token troll team for this 
in that period, no matter what. Burnley looked pretty good. So, like, a bare-bones team through the blank game week, uh, like we mentioned earlier, like, should help you plateau your rank if you captain wisely, and then you're just set up to keep going. So, I'm pro it, but that's a risk. Yeah, yeah, I think for me, I'm I'm not sure if I'd be as pro it as you. I, I look at, you know, people who want to wildcard, and, and I kind of say, right, um, can can the problems you have be fixed with a, a minus four or maybe a minus eight, maybe three or four transfers here? Just making a few few changes just to tie, tidy things up within your team, or do you need do you need to use the wild card? Because as as we talked about, you know, there's there's going to be some really good opportunities potentially to to use the wild card coming up, and if you can make three or four transfers just to set yourself up for thirty wild, or if you're free hitting, then maybe not just looking at 32 and 33 and, and this particular game week, um, then you, you can always hold on to that wild card. That's, that's my strategy. I mean, I took a minus eight a couple game weeks ago, for instance, and my team was looking really, really bad. I had lots of injuries. I didn't sort out every single problem in my team. I was just trying to sort out the ones, the major ones. But, you know, the, the likes of Rico still there. There's a few duds still lurking about in the team that I want to get rid of. But I'm... I'm sort of patiently and trying to hold on to that wild card. And it has meant that I've had to take a few more hits than I normally do. For instance, I took another minus four this week as well. So it has been a few hits in a row for me here now. But I'm I'm quite glad of the fact that I still got that wild card in the bank, even if I'm planning on using it very, very late in the season to take um, advantage of that bench boost and double game with Confed 7. So I think that's just what you have to weigh up. Um, in in your mind is is it really worth using wildcard now? Could I perhaps take a few hits, or do you think it's going to be best beneficial in in the long run? Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. I'd say that if if you can take two or three hits over the next two game weeks, and that would put you in a good position for game thirty one, and it also would strengthen your team and make it worth sticking with for the weeks around that. Then just go for the hits. But if you're away away from getting a good team in game week thirty one. Um, and if your team is in really bad shape, you could wildcard now. Then I would I would advise you to make sure you save a free transfer in game week 31, because we're going to get a load more information about the schedule probably during the international break before game week 32, and you want to have like maximum amount of transfers and ideally a wildcard after then, so that you can prepare for the, the game weeks once the schedule is, is finalised. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, ben, you can read my mind there with that answer. I think uh, that was kind of what I was about to say as well. If you if you feel like, uh, just to sum up basically what everyone said already, if you feel like your team is in that position, and yeah, as we said many times, it's all about what your team's looking like. If your team's in that position, then definitely go for it. Uh, but yeah, a very good idea, it seems, to roll that transfer over 31. Uh, there's, there was quite a good uh, kind of strategy during the rounds to have a decent split of uh, players who are blank game week friendly uh, plus double friendly. Um, last week and I think it probably still applies this week as well to kind of have that sort of spread um, just to get yourself through uh, where needed all right next question is United United so FPL Osmo says that with Ole again at the wheel uh, Bruno uh, I guess the train driver uh, United assets looking viable again so who should we be sizing up for our teams uh, Stag the resident United fan uh who's just kicked uh, himself in. <laughs> but Stag, the Resident United fan, what do you reckon? So, in spite of my own um, transfer activity, I think Bernandez has a massive duh hanging over him now, and I think you might as well just bring him in. I think the 
developing De Bruyne situation kind of means that I think the transfer is more clear than ever for most managers. And I think even as a blocking tactic at this point, bringing in Bruno Fernandes is a good option. Uh, Anthony Martial is kind of the Riker pick, as far as I'm concerned anyway, in that team now. I think a week ago I felt it was the opposite way around, but... At this point, I think you could be making arguments that maybe having both of them might be a good idea. But something I think that like is being lesser focused on but is starting to come into focus is the strength of United's defence all of a sudden. Uh, they've got 14 sheets in their last five uh, games in the Premier League and it's uh, in all competitions as well. Their record has been very good over the last 10 games. They've conceded just twice. So Harry Maguire, 5.3. He's top amongst United defenders for shots in the box in the last 10 weeks with six and scored one of those. And that's the same as Daniel James to give you an idea of how much action he's getting in the box. Obviously with more minutes, but that's part of the reason why he's also worth picking. Like And of course, largely Maguire's opportunities are coming largely off set pieces and with Bruno Fernandes bedding in and clearly taking over all set piece responsibility, I think that that only builds the allure of bringing in Maguire even more. Um, and that look, what's hilarious actually about United is that earlier on in the season, their defence was performing quite well. I think I and quite a lot of other people were looking at the underlying statistics back to the likes of Aaron Mombasaka and brought them into my team to absolutely no avail. Whereas now United are suddenly picking up the clean sheets whilst only being like their fourth for XGC in the last 10 games, which, okay, is pretty good and I guess maybe reflects how they may have picked up four clean sheets in the last five. But in those last five games, they've actually just been sixth in terms of expected goals conceded. They've got four clean sheets in that time. So it just shows you maybe sometimes that maybe picking up defensive points is a little bit of a lottery. But if you're looking at just having someone who's consistent, dependable, relatively affordable, and a bit of a goal-scoring threat as well, Harry Maguire. I'm exactly in agreement. The the Manchester United defenders um, are starting to come into the fore. It's worth highlighting as well. Four out of those five clean sheets, two of them have been against Chelsea and Manchester City. So it's not just like the uh, the easy teams that they're they're beating and um, you know uh, being defensively resolute um, against. So that, that's um, really um, promising signs um, at Manchester United. And ever since Bruno Fernandez joined the club, it, he certainly felt like the catalyst that has driven on this, this rich vein of form that they have um, entered. So I think, um, you know, Bruno Fernandes, no surprise, he is top of the market forces. Um, based on his um, current rate of return, it's, um, he's had a points per game of over 7.0 uh, since he joined the club. So very, very impressive there. Um, yeah, so they've got the blank in 31, obviously, which will impact people's decisions as to whether they are going to bring in um, the Manchester United players right now or if they're going to wait until 32 when they go on a really nice fixture run. Uh, but... For me, I think I've got Anthony Martial already. Um, I'm probably going to be looking at Fernandes by game week 32, but not this particular game week, um, just because of the uh, they're playing Spurs. And I don't know about selling Kevin De Bruyne. I, I really need some more information there, for instance, because they've got match, they've got Burnley at home. So if, if De Bruyne is definitely ruled out, I might consider that move. Definitely, then um, Bruno Fernandes um, really, really. Um, popular pick and it isn't a surprise at all and the defenders I think you know you really can start to heavily consider them and I think um, come game week 32 I'm, I might be considering a character like Maguire he's um, he's um, getting plenty of opportunities in the box plenty of chances he's uh, he's sick for instance out of all defenders for, for shots inside the box so um, yeah um, certainly out of all the defenders he'd be the one to call out um, Brandon Williams um, is also getting uh, some game time only 4.1 million or so so if you're looking for a really cheap budget enabler he he might be someone to, to call out as well 
Yeah, I'll be looking to load up on Man United players in, in game week 33, probably. I think the plans that I'm making at the minute are just making sure that I leave enough money to, to upgrade Antonio or Saar to one of the Man United midfielders, Martial or Fernandez, for the, the Bournemouth fixture at home in game week 33. And then I guess there's the option. I think most people have the two Liverpool midfielders in, in Mane and Salah. And if Liverpool keep going going well in the Champions League, they could start to, to rest those players in the league, possibly, when they won the league. And then there could be an option to downgrade one of those to, to um, Fernandez or Martial. And then you'll have the, the money to then load up on De Gea maybe in goal or one of Maguire or someone in defence that money. Yeah, I think we're getting to that period, aren't we? I mean, for me personally, I've got two fires in my team, not just one. I've got Kevin De Bruyne, and I also have Ayose uh, Perez, as Stag would call him, or Ayose Perez, as I'd call him. Um, but yeah, Perez is a huge, annoying fire, which I just want to get rid of, frankly. And uh, for a lot of machinations, i.e. sitting in the bathroom at work, I realised today that I can remove Perez and Moy for Bruno in a 4.3. Uh, that 4.3 being James McCarthy, uh, the uh, Scottish slash Irish, I forget which. Is he Scottish? Irish? He's Scottish born, but he's Irish player. All right, Our Irish blood, Scottish heart. Um, yeah, so I can get Bruno and and uh, James McCarthy in for Perez and Moy, so I can collect the McCarthys. So I think I might well do that. Um, Probably tonight, actually, because I'm at 0.0 to do that. Wow, that's going to be a, a very interesting early transfer. Uh, but the point I want to make is that Man United fans, they're bloody everywhere, aren't they? And when the fixtures start to get good, Man United starts to play well, Man United players get bought. Man United's ownership rises and anything that they do hurts you. Uh, Bruno himself, just to focus on him, um, really is doing very, very well indeed. Stats as per Fantasy Football Hub. He's made the joint most key passes of any player um, in the last uh, four game weeks. So that's equal with Andy Robertson, 11. Joint third most shots over the last four. Uh, very reminiscent, as I, said, as I said last week, of Christian Eriksen. Um, and uh, yeah, he just is a bonus botherer as well. If he produces anything, he's likely to get into that bonus, which is a, a pretty damn good uh, sort of thing. I, just, I quite like him, actually. I thought it was a bit dirty saying that about, about United player, but I like the way he was uh, giving jip to the City players. I like the way he shushed Guardiola. That, that took some real cojones. Um, I know it's Portuguese, but still. Right, okay. Uh, next question. Uh, Pity City. Uh, Kieran, at FPL Ratchet and FPL for full bracky, asked, is it time to jump off City assets with Pep? hinting the Premier League has been deprioritized. So we've just spoken about maybe that being the, uh, the direction of travel from uh, Bruno Fernandes. Uh, but yeah, uh, Stag, what do you reckon? I, I think the big question for almost everybody at this point already is surrounding Kevin De Bruyne. And that's something we've touched on, but not gone fully into. And I think for a long time, the argument with De Bruyne was always that he's so highly owned and he's so productive and he's always going to play that it's impossible not to keep him in your team just from a shield pick point of view. Now the tide is starting to go out. I think there are serious doubts coming in about De Bruyne. Part of that is because of the United rise and there being other options kind of available and it's still being quite difficult to sell one of the two Liverpool midfielders or both of them if you happen to have them. So I think then De Bruyne is the obvious player to knock out of your team to fund any move really that you're trying to make. And then really throughout the, the rest of the City team, like who, who else do you have? If you have Aguero, it's interesting that you've held him this long and I think it's going to be difficult to justify holding him through the next few games. We just don't know when he's going to play. We, European games are clearly the priority for City. Defensively, they're still up and down, um, to put it mildly. So I, th- I think that just means that, okay, then there's Maras as well, the, the kind of classic flair pick that never 
quite fully make sense, but still rewards people who just hold on every week of the season. So with that in mind, I think it is time to jump off, but I think most people have already jumped off and it's really just jumping off De Bruyne. I'd be wary of um, jumping off De Bruyne until we've got more information and he's definitely ruled out. I mean, he has been the epitome of consistency over the course of this season. The last time that he blanked um, two game weeks in a row, for instance, was back in, in game week 16. And just his returns over the course of the season have just been fantastic. 18 assists to his name and eight goals as well. And there's sort of only eight points behind Mo Salah in terms of overall points um, in FPL this season. He, he has been... Um, a fantastic pick and when they are playing Burnley at home I, I would fancy that that would be the type of fixture that you might expect him to run riot um, so yeah he's got a shoulder injury but um, we don't know for certain whether he's going to be out or whether he, he might even play midweek for all we know so um, it's uh, it's very much I'd be wary of jumping in even though there are obviously you know easy swaps to make bringing in a character like Bruno Fernandes could pay off um, instantly for you but you know, um, I think for me, he has been um, he has been one of the stars of this um, season, and the only real star at Manchester City, apart from Aguero, at points over the course of the season. And, and whilst you know, I wouldn't have touched the defence. I think Zinchenko is the only defender of Owens, and that was in, back in game week one and game week two. I haven't owned a single other Manchester City defender, and I, I don't know why you would at this stage, um, judging from their performances. They were pretty poor defensively against Manchester United yet again um, and in the midfield you've got some interesting picks like Mares. Um, Sterling's been off the boil for a very very long time um, so it would only be Aguero and I think if you do own Aguero you would be even then it's like Burnley at home would you want to give him one more week just to see if he can do anything and um, he was unfortunate to be substituted early this um, this game week but uh, yeah it, it is a tough one I think yeah, for me, I think I might have to sell De Bruyne as part of my eight-point hit this week if I want to do the, um, the Firmino to Mane switch because Mane would be coming in for De Bruyne. Um, just looking at their schedule, if you're following the strategy where you're three-hitting in game week 34 and then you're wild-carding in game week 36, you can go for Man City players then and then from 36 to 38, they'll have Bournemouth at home and a double game week of Watford and either Newcastle or Chelsea. And then Norwich at home in game week 38. So they do have the, the blank and then Liverpool at home coming up after the Burnley fixture. So it might, now might not be the worst time to sell, either now if, if De Bruyne looks like he'll miss or, or then after Burnley especially, it might be a good time to, to sell De Bruyne then. Well, I, th- I think that's it, isn't it? Because De Bruyne, selling him basically allows opens the door to Maller again and uh, I mean why has come back into focus well Allison being injured basically uh, and Liverpool's inability to keep a clean sheet uh, over the last little period I think has just kind of meant that they've uh, Maller's kind of just edged ahead of having that double uh, the double defense and uh, with Liverpool keen to to wrap up the league fairly soon um, especially for that 31. Uh, I mean, obviously next week against Everton, again, quite a big week. If Man City drop uh, drop drop the ball against us on on midweek, hopefully Aubameyang scoring a hat-trick or something like that. Um, if they drop the ball, then I think that that's a Liverpool's coronation, isn't it? If they win the title at Everton. Um, so, I mean, 
how they end the season gets very, very is very, really, really interesting. Um, because if City, and it did sound like what Pep was saying, like he said, he kind of gave the clue, didn't he, about Arsenal having double game, having double game with Arsenal. Sorry, um, uh, before it was announced, he think he said, he said something in the press conference that oh, we've got we've got these guys, we've got Arsenal, and nothing been announced at that point. So he kind of uh, kind of uh, gave inadvertently, or maybe advertently, who knows, um, a, a sense of what was going on. And he said in the press conference, oh, in a new cast from Real Madrid, a big games for us, which I guess tends to imply that the league is kind of done for them uh, this year. I guess he has given up to Liverpool, which is, which is fair enough. I mean, I think we've all, we were all basically assuming that they've won it. Um, so, I mean, if that's the case, I mean, obviously, pep rotation, lol, 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 lol. Um, but actually, KDB was a huge part of the team, like a huge anchor point in that team. If he's injured, if there's something wrong, if he's trying to kind of keep KDB fit, uh, for the Champions League, then I'm not saying to me rotated every single game, uh, but we may well see that there is a lot of uh, uncertainty, a lot more uncertainty around the player that you, you're still going to be paying a fair bit for. And in the context of Mala, especially Mane being very, very exciting, uh, then we're in a different scenario where maybe you might kind of think, you know what? Well, if I've got Robertson or Van Dyke, I'm going to get rid of him, put in someone rubbish like a Diop or something or a Kiko Firmina and uh, put Mane in. Removing KDB to allow yourself to have Mane could well be the way you pivot forward. There was a while where a double, the double defence was in the ascendancy, but it, it could have moved the other way and uh, Malik could be leaving them in their sawdust. All right, and the final question uh, this week is from Sheriff El Motaz, and who asks, should we give Ings one more week or do we bin him off for Jota? So one of those classic stick or twist uh, sort of questions. Now, I sold Ings last week for Jota. Didn't get any payback, of course, but I stand by that being a good move, despite my initial... It was pointed out to me by a few people that earlier on in the season, I may have referred to Jota as being a terrible footballer who is never going to grace my team again. Uh, as you can see, I've conveniently forgotten that um, when it did suit me. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I still think Jota's all right. And he could well get my armband this weekend, uh, funnily enough, in the first time. That's how far full circle I've gone. Uh, just a little explosive differential. But, yeah, an, an eye on the UEL. However, with Ings, I think... Um, Reminds me a lot of Mitrovic and all sorts of strikes we've had in the past, but they've gone on a great run. We've had a great time together, but really it is time to uh, to leave them. Um, I think he, for me personally, as I said in the last pod, I, I just completely ignored him for so long. Got one goal out of him and that was it. I've recently jumped on. I should have just not swum off that particular boat. Uh, ben, what do you reckon to this? Do you reckon uh, it's time to get rid of Ings? He's leaving on part of your minus eight, isn't he, actually? Well, no. If I was going to be taking a minus four this week, then Ings would have, would have had to gone, but the minus eight is um, Traore, De Bruyne and Firmino selling and then Jota, Antonio and Mane coming in. And I, I would delay the Ings transfer to next week. I just think if you're planning for game 31 with three transfers and Ings is one of your players and he's an obvious transfer out because some of the other players who, who have blanks you might want to keep in your team. For example, Aubameyang is a, a player worth keeping probably because he comes back in game 32 with knowledge at home. And um, yeah, I think just Ings is a good good time to sell this week. Norwich have been pretty good at home recently. They've only conceded two goals in the last four home games. Um, and they're looking quite solid in, in the home games recently. So um, I might even play um, Duda instead of Ings. I might leave Ings on the bench this week. And then I'll, I'm planning on um, Ings to Dini in 31. I think with Ings, the thing is that he is distinctly human and that's a Hampton team or even more averagely human. And I think that 
like it just seems like they've just lost their pizzazz again and Ings is just getting less and less chances as a consequence of that. Like just even just to look at the last five games, he had one shot against Newcastle, just one shot against West Ham. He had three against Villa who were hapless that day. He had one against Burnley and then he had four against Liverpool, which maybe gives us insight into where Liverpool were going before it even before they actually had their slide. Whereas earlier in the season during his hot streak, Danny Ings was getting three or four chances like almost every game. That's kind of an average across 15 games or so. So it just gives you an idea of how much he's dropped off. Whether Jota is the one to bring in for him, I'll leave that to you to decide. But I definitely don't think that Ings is the player to have anymore. It just seems like that tide has gone out. Yeah, I, th- I think he's he's definitely dropped in form. I think over the last six game weeks, even even his um, teammate Shane Long has had more um, shots than him. So uh, Long's had twelve goal attempts in the last six, while Stings has only had the ten, um, and he's also been um, outshotted by the likes of Ben Teke and, and McBurney. So you know his underlying and uh, J Rod as well. So his underlying stats have really really dropped in terms of his overall performance so a little bit worrying for those managers that have sort of held him over this fallow patch um, so they do have Norwich um, up next but as Ben mentioned you know it does look like an easy fixture on paper but um, Norwich have actually um, been quite um, defensively resolute at home recently um, um, last match at home was when they beat Leicester in that 1-0 game so uh, yeah um, it's Perhaps time to to sell wings and Jota. I think if you've got the uh, if you're not free hitting at thirty one, then that would be a, a very easy straight swap to make um, with Wolves fixtures at West Ham, Bournemouth, and Villa coming up next. But um, you know, there's there's other options out there potentially. You could look at the likes of Calvert Lewin, even though he doesn't have the fixtures, he has had the the form. But um, or maybe even take a punt on on a Bournemouth player, um, for instance, Callum Wilson. Perhaps go back there. He's had three goals in the last six um, over the last uh, period of time. So perhaps um, you could go for a cheeky punt there. Maybe I, I don't really want to be quoted on that one, but uh, yeah, maybe maybe an option as well. Yeah, Callum Wilson third for XG for shots on target over the last four. Wow. Yeah, absolute troll. Avoid, avoid, avoid apart from the people who buy him and inevitably get huge returns off and I said that. All right, uh, let's move on to the final bit of the pod then, the transfers and the captains. Uh, so we've heard a lot about them already, I think, to some extent. Uh, ben, uh, would you mind just uh, reiterating quickly your, your plans? Yeah, it's, it's selling Firmino because I'm getting a bit tired of having Firmino in my team. And I've always been a bit worried about this Everton fixture because since Klopp came in, Firmino has been left out a lot against Everton. It's like fixture that maybe Klopp doesn't fancy Firmino in a derby, but he's been left out in like the last two away games against Everton. And then some of the home games he's been benched as well. So with De Bruyne maybe struggling with an injury, the minus eight would be Traore, De Bruyne and Firmino to Antonio, Mane and, and Jota. Um, I don't normally take minus eights at all, but um, I think this one could, could pay off in the long run. I think I'm looking at another hit this week, um, go figure, as I just continue to just run around trying to change things to make something happen. Um, I'm pondering selling De Bruyne. That's obviously contingent on what goes on this week with him. And it would either be uh, coming back with my tail between my legs to get Bruno Fernandes straight back into my team because they face Spurs, who are effectively the worst team in the league almost at at this stage, um, aside from maybe Aston Villa, 
under at the moment. So I think I could need target them. Uh, so that's on my mind, but I might just bring Mane in as well. And that would mean then making a second transfer defense. And I would also need to uh, reduce my Liverpool triple up. So it would be Van Dijk that would go out and an other defender to come in, whoever that may be. It would be someone relatively cheap and not taking the free hit in 31 into account. Yeah, yeah. So, so for me, um, um, I'm thinking I'm probably going to be making a, a defensive transfer this week. I've got a little bit of a defensive crisis going on. Um, Robertson's yellow flagged. Um, Rico doesn't play. Um, Reese James isn't starting as well. So a little bit of um, a situation to resolve there. I have actually been um, considering perhaps um, jumping back on the Sheffield United defence. Sheffield United have been very, very defensively solid over the course of the season. They've got Newcastle up next. Um, 31 doesn't matter for me. Um, and then they've also got that uh, double game week that's um, to come um, against Aston Villa and someone else, as well as sort of fixtures against Burnley and Spurs, so easy fixtures there. Um, so I am heavily considering a Sheffield United defender. I might um, might join Tom on the um, the old end of Stevens wagon if he's, he's not injured um, or maybe... Uh, Maybe uh, George Bulldog, perhaps, who I talked about um, owning previously on the pod, and then I missed out on his massive haul. So maybe, maybe I'll um, go for a punt on him. And um, in terms of the uh, captain, uh, I think probably at the moment I have it on um, Aubameyang. So I'm probably going to be captaining him, I think, over Salah at the moment. Did you mention your captain, Stagenbam? I see Diego Jota as like a differential captain because yeah, look, come on, jump from the Jota train. I can't they? In West Ham at home, they've been playing attacking football recently, and there could be a lot of perfect gaps opening up. It's perfect for uh, Wolves, isn't it? Yeah, Join it is, me. But Join I'll probably me. play it safe and go with Mane or Salah in the end. I think makes sense. It's going to be one of the transfers in. Uh, whoever I bring in for De Bruyne, that's, I'll, I'll keep it very vague there for now, but it's going to be whoever I bring in. It won't be Salah or Mane. I just can't stick with the status quo. Yep, certainly makes sense. And as mentioned, um, I will be, pretty much after I've done this podcast, before I forget and get uh, subsumed by this thing, I'll probably be removing Ayose uh, Perez and be removing Aaron Moy. Um, and I'll be replacing them with uh, Fernandez and the Irishman, James McCarthy. But I don't know what's the captain this week. I do quite like the Joe's rider, just he's a bit more explosive than your study, Eddie Jimenez. No, let's just see how it ends up with Aubameyang. But it would be nice to get a captain off. And it feels like this week is especially the epitome of one of those sort of split weeks uh, out there. So it could be a week to get off somebody like that. Um, that sounds really dodgy. It could be a week to get off a captain like that. That also sounds really dodgy. But you get what I mean. You get the intent at this point. All right. Uh, I think that's basically it, isn't it? Uh, just to say we are who got this. You can find us on Twitter at WGCA underscore FPL. Follow Nick at WGCA Nick. Follow Stag at FPL Stag. Follow us on Instagram, WGCA.FPL, if you want to see my ramblings and random photos from Google search. You can listen and subscribe to us across the podding spectrum and our leak is EIKX03. There's a theme to every pod. Um, last week it was Lord of the Rings, so um, well done to all the guys that, that picked up on, on that theme. And yeah, uh, once again, thank you, Ben, for joining us on this pod. It was a privilege as always. Thanks for having me. It's been good. Thanks, Ben, and thanks for back next week. Well, I guess a, a blank preview to some extent a bit more to go through some of the key differentials and some of the key players that maybe have escaped the popular free hits mentioned. Uh, but for now, I hope to see you and we'll speak to you very, very soon. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.